may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view Right, nearly half time pal, your turn to get a ground round in, off you go No, you get this one in mate because I've got the beer sorted for later What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one, you know that's not how the ground round works Listen here bud, how does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN. To get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five, that's www.beer52.com forward slash vftn. Sound Pirate right. Welcome there? back to the view from the no Ninian. It's no been a few weeks since we've been here. Um, ben Price has been to the tip. Uh, Tom Phillips isn't even here, and I've been to a pub. Um, so let's just get straight into it. Ben, how you doing? I'm really good, mate. I went to the tip, and all is good with the world again. What What did you t- What did you have to take to the tip? Um, three bags of polystyrene, which you can't actually, you can't can't recycle it. No, but the bins, they wouldn't fit in our bins, Uh, a suitcase and, um, a thousand pound light that I then just scrapped. Why, why did you get rid of such an expensive light? I didn't pay for the light. Um, I worked for a lighting company that dealt with really, really expensive lights, like stupid money. And I managed to get one for free that I thought would be really good for our house. But it wasn't. And then it wasn't. And now I couldn't get rid of it. So I've just gone, fuck it, and just launched into a skip. And what I like is I aimed for... Do you, when you go to the tips, you go for the skips that you can cause the most damage in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like to throw things a long way. I want to yeah. be high up to throw them down so I can get a good smash, a good noise, a good bang. I think it's, my missus doesn't appreciate just how much I enjoy going to the tip just for that reason. Well, that's why going to the tip is a very manly activity. And I think we've, uh, it's not, I don't know why I'm being sexist about the tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of just caught myself trying to make a rubbish joke. I do think um, it's safe to say, though, blokes get more satisfaction out of it than women in general. I think, do you think it's like a primal urge that blokes have just to like destroy things? Just break like, stuff. Yeah I, yeah. Think, yeah. I think that's it. It's just literally, oh, me smash shit. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, I, 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 had a, I had a joke to make about your light. I was going to say you didn't give the light a glowing review. Um, but um, it, the moment's gone, but I just wanted to say that I've been thinking about that during that whole conversation. Was it worth it? No, it wasn't really. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is the view from the Ninian, or you could call it the view from the Ninny Bens today, because it's just me, the two Bens, Price and James. Uh, Tom Phillips, uh, his excuse is that his parents have just turned up on his doorstep after having seen, not seen him in five months, and he'd rather spend time with his parents who he hasn't seen in that long, rather than us. It's a joke, isn't it? 
It's a real, it's a really, really bad joke. But obviously, um, we got lots to talk about since the last game. But there's something else that's been added to the agenda just at the last minute because um, Cardiff City have announced their season ticket policy for next year, and I think um, Ben Price is best place to talk us through that. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. We were just talking before we came live and recording that um, we don't see how the club can actually put stuff on sale. Um, mm. It's good that they've kept the prices the same as last year. Um, I think that'll actually mean the club's one one of, if not the cheapest season tickets in the championship, which is great for the club, which fair play to them. Yeah, I can't fault them for that. But it just seems a bit of a cash grab in the sense that no one knows what's going on next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and to pay that much money, to commit to 300, 400 quid outlay um, without knowing how many games you're actually going to be able to attend in person is a lot of money. Um, my mate brought up a good point when I was chatting to him on WhatsApp about it, that like like him, me and my missus, um, two season tickets in the house. Yeah. We're not getting the good value on the stream because we'll both get access to the stream, but only one of us is, we're only going to use one stream if yeah. the game's uh, pushed back. It's just, um, it just feels like a bit of a cash grab in a very, very uncertain situation. Do you think, do you think, I, I kind of understand why the club needs money, but do you think they haven't taken into account the, the whole situation really? It's like, we, the club needs money, so let's get people to buy their season tickets. But for people who are out there in the working world who are uncertain as well, there's, like you say, you can't commit to it, can you? If people might be losing their jobs and things like that, there's no way that people can commit to 300, 400 quid or even the monthly payments. No, it's exactly that. I just think it just seems like the club have gone, right, we need money, we need money now. Yeah, and I've gone right. We'll put like let's just put the season tickets on sale. That'll guarantee some income. And people are some people are in a lucky position where they can say right, okay, cool, we'll renew. That's not a problem. Yeah, but I think it would be better if the club came out and not like Risdale Golden Ticket sort of thing, but sort of said, look, the club needs some money. If you're able to commit to buying a season ticket now, that would be great. It would really help the club out. But instead, they sort of push this agenda of season tickets on sale and the way they've yeah. structured it's very odd like you've only got this last year it was renewal period you get 20 quid city cash now it's you only get 20 quid city cash if you renew within the first week then the week after it goes to 10 quid then until the first window closes it's five quid then after that there's I mean, no city cash 20 quid city cash is what it's half a shirt these days it's not a, a it's not a substantial a amount of money a third of a shirt yeah it's well, 50 quid i suppose yeah i mean it's not a substantial amount of money is it it's not really a big incentive no it's just it's a nice little thing like it always helps to have yeah. a couple of quid off the shop but for the club to say right you don't get that if you don't renew after a, like within a within a week as well a week before payday it's all yeah just, that's interesting actually yeah it's a week before payday it all just feels like a bit of a cash grab for the club to get as much money in as possible without really benefiting the fans and sort of doing Yeah, I, I was going to say, these things should be incentivised, right? Like, like yeah. we were saying, it's, it's, it's a bad time for everyone. Understand that the club need money and they need to think about these kind of things. And obviously, uh, we're in July. This would have been happening in March, April time normally. Um, but w- with everything that's going on, and you know, we keep saying it, unprecedented situation, there's, there's just no incentive at the moment, really, is there, for fans to renew? No, and it just comes down to the same thing we spoke about when it came up with the um, uh, fixtures being re-announced and the incentives there to take the credit or mm-hmm. contribute to the academy. Work with fan groups. Yeah. Talk to them and see what's possible. What's the, what's the feeling from the fans? Talk to them, see what's going on with them, and put together a decent proposal then. Don't just put out a couple of tweets saying, 
oh, we've got cheap tickets, but if you don't renew, you don't get this, this, and this. And if you can't watch a stream, you don't get a discount off your season ticket. If you can't watch a stream, that's yeah, tough. It's, it's it, all just feels, it all just feels a bit underhanded and... It feels rushed. Yeah. Well, it, it is, feels very it? rushed, even though it's July. <laughs> yeah, the club have literally... Well, there was normally you get a sort of a warning of a season ticket announcement. Yeah. There's normally a build-up. Um, I know Scott was wa- working with the club or spoke to the club about what the original plan was with the season tickets. That's all been thrown out the window and they've sort of just dropped a tweet at like half six on a yeah. Monday but Monday evening. It just feels a bit... Right, there was a meeting with the board. We realised cash is really, really low, lower than they probably expected. Get this out and get this out now. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I do. What was it? I think um, Dalman or, or Chu said that they're missing about four hundred thousand pounds from each match day. And I think as much as some players have left, I think the club's probably just about breaking even on players leaving and taking that money off the wage bill and money they're missing from the um, the day to day games and the match day situation. So I, I, I think they're in an unenviable position really because it's going to be difficult, right? They need to get cash in. They need to get cash from somewhere and. Uh, you know, it, there could even be question marks over what happens with the next parachute payment because you know the leagues are uh, with TV money and all that kind of stuff. Things are so movable at the moment, but like you say, at least give some warning. Some warning and just communicate with the fans. Is all we ask from the club is just speak to fan groups. You've got really smart people in there. Like Vince Arm is fantastic. Yeah, you got Keith Morgan like, in the trust as well. Loads of people are really, really good. And just a couple of meetings with them, just a couple of phone calls, just look, this is what we're planning on doing. We need to do this. What do you guys think? And it would just make things just a lot better from every side. But they just don't seem like they want to commit to doing stuff with fans at the moment. It's really strange. They seem to be treating us like customers, not like fans. We're not you. Football, I think that's one thing that Chu and Darwin all can't really, sometimes they sometimes forget in the heat of the moment is football fans aren't normal customers. No. They're lifelong they're investors, really. In that yeah, sense. They, they, they own the club, essentially. They're yeah. the ones that will decide how the club runs and how, well, how the club will succeed long term. You need to work with them, not try and sell to them. It's normally the best way to go. Yeah, I don't think there's an industry like it, really, is there? You know, we pay our ticket money, but it goes, a lot, it goes beyond a lot more than that. You know, we're sat here doing a podcast and all that kind of stuff. You don't get these kind of podcasts about Tesco's. Um, and and those kind of consumer industries. (laughs) I do listen to your Asda podcast, mate. Um, That is, you know, it's it's, it's a stellar stellar resource for all things Asda. (laughs) I actually went to Asda at the weekend. It was very good. Um, So is your takeaway then to the club? I don't know why we're talking about Asda. Your takeaway to the club, just talk to the fans a bit more. Yeah, it's just with everything, isn't it? It's just a simple thing that can be done real quickly. It doesn't have to be a big focus group. It doesn't have to be any of that. We've got some real good sort of trusted heads in the groups that are there mm-hmm. that are easy to work with. And the club have worked with in the past, which is what I also find strange. I think like the return to blue, you forget like that works really well. Yeah. The trust Vince arm. Um, uh, like a fan panel. There was a lot of people involved very like they dragged in real quickly that were brilliant and got everything sorted. Just do a bit more of that and be a lot easier, just a lot less criticism. So if anyone from the club is listening, where can they find you, Ben? What's your Twitter handle? What's your I'm not, I'm not the place. Let's face it, I'm not the place to go to. Like. You're sat here on a podcast, mate. You're, you're the voice of the fans. I'm not. <laughs> no, I, I, that, I say that firmly tongue-in-cheek. I hope no one listening thinks that we think we're the yeah. fans. We're just, we're just a couple of idiots who've got a microphone. And uh, we've got the weather of all, wherewithal to uh, set up a podcast and talk rubbish about it. Um, 
Anyway, moving on from the season ticket debacle. I'm going to call it a debacle. Um, the last time we were here, it was a couple of weeks ago, um, and uh, quite a lot has happened in that time. We, we laughed at Lee Johnson um, after he got sacked, um, which, you know, your, your 10 reasons why Lee Johnson was a bell end went down very well with uh, my non-footballing fans who uh, friends, <laughs> sorry, who listened to this podcast. Um, since then, we've also played four matches. We lost two, Blackburn and Fulham, when things looked really bleak, but then we've won two. Uh, the last two results coming against Derby and Borough. Um, and we'll probably focus on Derby and Borough, really, because I think, you know, ultimately the Blackburn game was, it was just one of those weird games, wasn't it? I think it was, what was it, 3-2? 3-2, 3-2 some poor defending. But all in all, I think the bet, there's no, I don't, I don't think I've seen any City fan argue the better team won. No. Uh, Mowbray got, uh, Tony Mowbray got the tactics spot on and did a job on us, fair play to them. It, it, it kind of looked like it was just um, we were a bit tired. Um, it didn't really go for us in that night. You know, possession was quite evenly split. We didn't have as many shots as they did, but it just felt like it was maybe a game too far at that stage, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's just all the momentum sort of run out of the players at that point. They needed a bit. They could have done with a week off. I think if they had a bit of a longer break. That performance doesn't happen, and it's just one of those games. Finished yeah. The box, so let's just. Give oh, it I know, it's ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous. Um, and then obviously we lost to Fulham as well, which was another weird game because it, we probably you know it was quite evenly split. I think um, watching it on TV, it didn't look like they had that much better than us, but they just um, got what was it? They got a penalty, um, quite a, a weak, soft penalty. I think it was a pe- like without the Cardiff hat on, you'd say that is a fair penalty. Mm-hmm. But the other, the big issue from that game for me was the refereeing decisions. Really poor, wasn't it? Off. It was yeah. ridiculous. The decisions there. Um, I'm not saying that I'd have changed it and the result would have gone differently, but if you're down to nine men, it's a big difference. You're not holding, you're going to struggle to hold down a 1 0 win. It oh, was completely. some shocking referee, and the referee just bottled everything that game. And he was poor yeah. Fulham as well, because they should have had a Stonewall penalty with, um, was it Nelson slid across the floor and hit his arm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a couple of moments where, I th- I, yeah, I, I think that was it, right? You could take it because he was poor for both sides. Um, but it was still, still, you know, a, a disappointing result. But we bounced back, haven't we? we? We've shown that famous bounce back ability. And since then, we, we, we've probably played our two most important games. I think Derby was critical at that point because they were just coming into the playoffs below us and we, we kind of beat them to put them out of the playoffs. What did you make of the Derby game? I think it was one of our mo- better performances of the season. I think we've bounced back from two disappointing performances to two, the two best performances two of the season. Yeah. I'd agree. I think Derby, control, we controlled the game. Tactics were spot on. We looked like we were creating stuff again. We were clinical. I thought we were fantastic. I really, really did. Um, Marlon Pack came back into the squad. Man of the match, probably, wasn't he? Yeah, and absolutely slipped, slid back in there. It was the perfect game for him. It was, it was a game made for him and shows that he's got a place within the squad. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's, it's very hard when you look at the, that game to pick out, uh, you say Pack there, but I think when you look at the, the rest of the side, Tomlin was incredible. Uh, Mendes Lang had a really good game on the wing. I think if you look at the midfield and the defence, they were impeccable the whole game. It was really hard to single people out, wasn't it? As much as we can single out Pack and Tomlin, the whole performance was brilliant. Yeah, even Smithies pulled off a couple of fantastic saves, which um, yeah. is a running thing at the moment of not a lot to do, but when he does, they're always wildies. Yeah. He's a consummate um, pro, isn't he, Smithies? Oh, what a professional. Just absolute just... We're really... We forget how lucky we are with those two keepers. Yeah, it's it's incredible, really, that Etheridge is on the bench, isn't he? Yeah. And um, bearing in mind, he was probably our one of our most consistent performers in the Premier League last year. He um, won and now he, player of the season. I think he I did. I think he won player of the season. Yeah, and I, I remember some of his saves were just 
Yeah, his kicking isn't great, but <clears throat> he's an incredible shot stopper and he reads the game really well when Cross is coming in. And now he can't even get in the squad. No, it, um... there's so many teams that go up this year. You look at Leeds and I'd have Etheridge in that Leeds school. He's better than either of the Leeds goalkeepers. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and Etheridge isn't racist. So Yeah, um... that's always a big, big help. A big bonus for Leeds there if they can get rid of their racist goalie. Um, and I think, well, you know, I, I, I've, I've singled out Tomlin in, in the kind of talking points. And that was, that was one of the tactical ma- manoeuvres, wasn't it? He, you know, he high-pressed on Rooney and took the ball off Rooney for the goal. And Harris said in a post-match press conference that they'd, they'd watch Rooney doing that, that they gave him the ball and then they, they knew how to press him and he, it would cause mistakes. Yeah, it's again just proof that Harris's tactical awareness is a lot better than sort of pundits seem to give him credit for. Um, they knew what you're getting with Rooney now in these days. You've also got a question, Derby. You're playing, what's Rooney now, 33, 34? 34, yeah, I think he's 34. Sort of fading away. He's a great player, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't missed, a, I don't think he's missed a minute of football since the restart. He looked really tired against he us. He knackered. He's, not, he's never been sort of, he gives his all for 90 minutes, but yeah. then he needs a rest. He, he, he misses a few games throughout the season just needing a rest. Do you think he's, he's obviously taken on more work now that he's a central midfielder, right? I think and a coach. Th- oh, and wait, a coach, hasn't, yeah. coached. hasn't coached at all. <laughs> Well, I just think he's like, well, on the pitch especially, right? If you're a striker, you can have these moments where the ball goes back to defence and you, you take a breather and whatever else. But as a midfielder, and especially the role he's playing, right? Because he comes deep and takes it forward. He's going to be working a lot, which maybe is something he's not used to. Yeah, I think he's never... Pro- like Even when he was playing Champions League with United, he was still rotated quite a lot. Yeah. And I, I know he'd probably average 50 games a season. But he's not playing the full 90 minutes for those 50 games. Whereas in the Championship, it's an intensity that you don't really get in the Premier League and the Champions League. Yeah. Jump straight in that and play near enough every minute since January. And then like this crazy schedule since the restart. It's going to knack at you. And no wonder yeah. he looked tired and lethargic as he did. I don't I think, think it's excuse him completely giving up when Tomlin took the ball off him, just throwing his hands up in the air. I was going to say, that was very odd, wasn't it? He kind of just turned and just kind of went, oh, well, that's it. And Tomlin was blame everyone else around him as if to say, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, Tomlin was... He, I, I, didn't, I think I didn't realise until afterwards. I think there was... I'm going to call out the Glatzel moment as well, but I didn't realise um, how clean through he was at that moment in time. I think when he... You know, when I watched it live, I was a bit like, oh, he had a lot more to do. But when you look at it back, he had a one-man chasing him who Glatzel cuts across and takes him out. And then Tomlin's through. And it's, it was a very easy goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really poor. It was the most Undarby-like goal I think I've seen him concede for a while. They, they seem kind to be of, quite solid. They seem to be quite solid, but they seem to give up against us, right? When that second goal went in, they seem to take, similar to what Rooney did, right? He kind of shrugged his shoulders and went, well, that's it. And they, they seemed to take their foot off the gas completely. Yeah, it was comfortable from then on out, wasn't it? It was sort of, they never really threatened. They had a couple of half chances, but like all their good opportunities were done and they sort of seemed to have given them a thought. They've done all they can. This is just one they need to write off and the season's over. I want to call out that Glatzel moment, right? Because I think it was, again, it was something I didn't realise at the time because I think when Tomlin went through, I didn't realise that what Glatzel did behind him. I think it was very clever, wasn't it, Glatzel? And for those who, who saw the goal but maybe not didn't realise it, as Tomlin's being chased down by a, a Derby defender, <clears throat> Glatzel's kind of alongside the Derby defender and then he just cuts across in front of him and that gives Tomlin an extra yard. Glatzel's able to cut through and the defender's are another yard behind him. Just... How clever is play like that? Do you, you know, I, I think we have to call it out as intentional, right? But that's such yeah. intelligence play by Glatzel. Yeah, he, the more he plays, the more he's looking like the most like, well-rounded striker the club's had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. He's settling in, he's fighting his form, he's taking goals really well, and he's 
doing smart things like that that you sort of see. It's sort of like when you see Man City, I'm not comparing Glatzel to a Man City player, but you sort of see the fouls Man like City are, give away. Yeah, fuck it. Glatzel can play for Man City. He's better than Aguero. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> but you sort of see the sort of fouls and what they do off the ball. It's like very, very clever. Like the odd pull of a shit. It's not like a blatant foul where you're yanking someone back. It's, it's a pull to knock someone off their stride or you're sort of just clipping their ankles. Not enough of them to go down, but enough to take them off their stride and create that yeah. little bit of extra space for another player. And that's exactly what he did there and gave Tomlin space to go through and have a nice, easy one-on-one and, t- and he tucked it away well. He did tuck it away very well. And I think um, I think Tomlin had... Obviously, Harris has spoken about managing Tomlin and his injuries and everything else. But the last two games, and we'll talk about Burrow next as well, he's looked really good, hasn't he? He's looked like he's more involved. He's putting himself about. He looks really fit and really up for it. And I think that should be testament to Harris's management as well, right? That he hasn't... He didn't go all out early in the early games and, and, and waste Tomlin, as it were. He's, he's getting Tomlin into, into his stride as we go into the last game of the season. Yeah, massively, I think it's man management at its best and sort of it's really easy for us all and we were all guilty of it at the start all right Tomlin's fit he's come back from his knee injury first game back let's stick him back in starting 11 and just run him ragged Mm -hmm. and the way Harris has done this has given us the best chance possible of making the playoffs because realistically hearing from Harris now if we had done that with Tomlin at the start he'd be injured now we'd probably be losing him for nine months I think so yeah I think so. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and another player, I think let's, if, we, if we move to the Middlesbrough game now, I think uh, the Middlesbrough game was probably uh, maybe even our best performance of, of Project Restart, really. I think we, we bossed it in terms of, if you look at the stats, we almost made, you know, 400 passes. We had 56% possession. We, we bossed it in terms of shots. And, and, and Middlesbrough didn't look like they were going to score, really, until they had that free kick, right? Um, yeah. I, I think it would have been a clean sheet if, if Asombolongo hadn't scored an absolute world-class free kick. And, and another player who came on and did, did really well against Middlesbrough was uh, Josh Murphy, who hasn't really, you know, I think everyone knows that Josh Murphy's a very good player, but he hasn't always shown it. And that's a, a bone of contention for many players, uh, many fans, sorry. But he came off the bench on, um, on, on Saturday and was probably our best player. Yeah, he changed the game. Um, looked really creative, looked really up for it. And sort of played with the freedom of a player that seems to have been like he'd been in form for like months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For him to play like that when he's coming in out of the cold was massively impressive. Um, I know I've said it a lot, but hopefully it kickstarts a really strong sort of period for Murphy because like contrary to what you sort of see, I know Beth Phillips sort of posted something a while back that sort of got thrown back in her face on a Saturday. But um, you sort of look at what they're all doing. Like you sort of look at what Murphy's doing. And no one wants him to be poor. No one wants him to do badly. We all want him to do well because we all know he's such a talented footballer that can play at a higher level if he's committed. Yeah. He's just got to show it more. And hopefully I mean, this will give him confidence to go on. The, I, I think arguably every fan has probably criticised Murphy at some point. You know what I mean? I think that the Beth Phillips stuff is very unfair on her in a sense that people seem to single her out. But I've been at games, like I think I talked about on this podcast, where the ball hit him in the face and everyone criticised Murphy. And I was like, the ball's literally hit him in the face. What the fuck do you want him to do? And I think, I understand it. Murphy is frustrating. But when he's as good as he is, and he showed that on, on Saturday, he's probably our best finisher. The goal yeah. against Huddersfield earlier this season and that goal on Saturday, that, you know, that first goal, his finish was... It, it was as good as any striker we've got, really. It's clinical. It was just the most confident finish. It looked like a sort of player that's scored 30 goals in a season. Yeah. And for him to take I don't think he'd been on the pitch that long either when he scored. So he's sort of... No. He's such a talented player. And you're right, everyone's guilty of it. 
I think one of the most utter phrased I've said this season while watching the game has been for fuck's sake Murphy. I've started tweeting that when he scores because it's yeah. just like it's it's just I think he he gets it in the neck right, and I think it's because as fo- as as football fans and as Cardiff fans, we like players who seem to give it his all, and I think Murphy he fades in and out of games right, but I think you need players who are a bit mercurial. You need players who are gonna lull defenders into almost a false sense of security, but then can be explosive. And I think a lot of people said it about Murphy, right? That without the fans and without the kind of people on his back, he might play with a bit more freedom. And I think he showed that. It's, it's the first time we've really seen him for long um, on Saturday, really, because I know he he'd come on, he came on against Fulham, I think, for the last 10 minutes, and he's come in and out of the team. But it was his first long, you know, relatively, you know, he came on after, what, 10, 15 minutes. So it was his first time that we'd seen him for more than yeah. 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game. And he showed what he can do. And I think... You know, going into Hull on um, on Wednesday, and you know, heaven forbid we look ever so slightly further ahead to Hull, and if we get to the playoffs, um, he, he could have a big part to play. I hope so. I really do. Um, I think if you look at it, like you've got a front four of Murphy, Mendes, Lang, Glatzel, and Tomlin. Pretty that's good, a, right? That's a tasty, tasty front line. That and Hoyland still ball. might be there as well. Yeah, and Hoyland's a cracking backup and sort of. He looks knackered, and it wasn't a surprise to see him go down injured. It's, and I hope it's not serious because I think Hoyle's no, a really I, player for the I squad. Think, I think Harris had his press conference today, and he said it was a tightness in his bum cheeks. Um, so get squatting, Hoyle, because we would like you back. Um, and I think he's he's he, you know as much as again Hoyle, I think has been probably a bit more frustrating in this in in the project restart. He's been drifting in and out of games probably more so than he normally does. But he still scored important goals, right? He's got a couple of important goals since the restart. Yeah, I think near enough. I think every winger's chipped in that's played, hasn't it? Mendes yeah. got a couple. Hoylett scored, and now Murphy bagged two in one game. Tomlin's got a few as well. It's it shows the importance of the depth in the squad, really. Um, obviously, because we haven't got that twenty goal a game striker yet. I'm looking at Glatzel next year. Well, how many <laughs> goals? Has, how many goals has Glatzel got this year? Now um, I can't. Remember. I think it's about seven or eight. Is it? I think he's, is he on nine? He could be on nine. Let me just see what. Um, according to um, Wikipedia, which I was updated two days ago, he's on seven for the season. Eight, if you include cup games, which is not bad considering he's been in and out of the side. Yeah, it took him a while to get settled in, but I think he goes on little runs, doesn't he? And he does, of, yeah. First run, he got injured, sort of, just after getting a nice little run, and he's sort of putting it together now. Um, and he's and most importantly, I think for Glatzel, he's contributing not just by scoring, but also, like you said, with the Tomlin thing and with the assists. He was, I thought he was class against Borough. I really, I thought did. he was as well. Well, he's, I think he's. He's becoming the perfect hybrid, really, between a Callum Patterson-style striker who runs a lot, puts himself about. Um, but I think nothing, nothing against Callum Patterson. I think Glatzel is a bit more intelligent with it, really. He's a yeah. bit more technical. And I think Glatzel put, is starting to put himself about a bit more and be a bit more physical and use his size. But he's also a, a, te- a very technically gifted footballer. I think I remember earlier in the season, we were away at Reading and we, were, we lost 3-0. It was a terrible game of football, but there were moments where you saw from Glatzel where he was coming to get the ball, taking it with his feet and looking to bring others into play. And he thought you could see the kind of, um, you know, the intelligence that he had in, in terms of football. And I think now we're seeing the fruits of that, really. Because I think at the start, we, you know, under Warnock, we tried to play him like he was just a normal target man. Hit it up to him, he's going to flick it on. And he might get on the cross then if it comes in. But we're seeing, we're just using him better, aren't we? We're using him more sensibly. Yeah, I think at the Borough, the Borough game was the most evidenced style. I noticed against Warnock, which is sort of ironic. You see the sort of change of the way the team's gone in the last six months since Harris took over. One, six months, November, isn't it? Christ. Yeah, November. Eight months. And you sort of see how that sort of developed. 400 passes and more possession. I know it's against Neil Warnock's side that is sort of the exact opposite, but 
we were knocking it about really, really well. While it wasn't yeah. sort of full and pass it across the back, there was still intent to our play. We kept the ball really well. The midfield was knocking the ball about nicely. And Glatzel yeah. played a big part in that as well in retaining possession. It wasn't just a case of who fit. It was coming to his feet more. And that's where the creativity comes from him. And I, I think I, I called it out earlier in the season that under Warnock, we weren't passing it around. You know, what, if, you, if you look at a Warnock side, their, their completed passes are usually less than 200. And they're, but they're attacking third passes, sort of passes into the final third or in the final third, are usually quite a high proportion of that. Our completed passes, we're about 100 more than, than the Warnock side on Saturday, but our, our attacking third passes were only 10 less. So we're still having that attacking intent, which is what made us, us really direct and really good under Warnock. But we're, we're all round improving our passing game. And I think we're finding that balance, aren't we? And that's the transition for me now, that we're transitioning away from the Warnock model, which is really attritional, really direct, and we're, we're adding a bit more to our game. But we're also re- um, maintaining that threat in the attacking third, which, which comes with the Warnock side. And I think we're getting to that hybrid, which I think everyone wanted. Yeah, I think it's just a bit more pleasing on the eye without being a boring ticky-tacker pass around the backside. And I think that's yeah. exactly what a Cardiff City squad should be, to be honest. As we used um, to say, Tiki Taka, Tiki Taka, fuck off Fulham. <laughs> One of my favourite chants in recent years. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I think it's. I don't think our fans would ever tolerate Tiki Taka. We all no. want this really, really nice passing style. But can you imagine the way Fulham play at the Cardiff City Stadium? The fucking groans from the Canton. Well, no, and I, 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 I said that earlier in the year. I think there was a game, and I, I may have mentioned it on the last podcast. Forgive me if I did, but they, they got up to almost a thousand passes in a game, and something yeah. like a third of them came from their defenders just knocking it back across the back four. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's nice to keep the ball and pass it around. But if you're passing left back to centre half a hundred times, how, how effective is that really going to be? Um, it beca- it, the game becomes that Simpsons video, doesn't it? With, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. To the material, and there are ties. <laughs> and it's yeah. just... No, it's, it's not a style the club will ever be. And I'm fine with that. I like, I like that Kyle's sort of got that quite old school sort of... Like, not anti-modern football but we're sort of bringing it in in a way that suits the style and suits the players as well I think Harris has got a really good read of this squad now and understands yeah. who, what each player's strengths are and that's really sort of showing not just on the pitch but in the changes we're making as well he's utilising um, the subs really well isn't he and he's uh, we really talk about it, it but he's really got he's really done well with the subs yeah and he's not sort of I don't think I think it's, he's not too often used all five subs as well I think Burry did and but normally it's only three or four. Yeah. He doesn't want to disrupt the flow of the team, which I think is really, really important. Yeah. Well, let's hope they keep it up going into the last game of the season. Um, I, we got some Twitter questions. Um, I mean, some of them are a bit presumptuous. Um, Benefactor asks, what is our pro- lads' preference for our opposition in the playoffs? West Brom, Brentford, Fulham, Forest, or fear nobody in play, whoever is in front of us. I'm a bit loath to get that far ahead of things because we've been here before haven't we as as, as Lee Spear says which is another question a point for the playoffs we've been here before do we go for the win or protect the point and and that leads into the whole game really I think um, you know it's the last game of the season it's in our hands to get into the playoffs one point needed how what's your expectation for the way Harris sets us up is it go all out or is it play it safe you've got there's a lot of things to consider isn't there you've got a relegate a near enough relegated team in Hull City that have been abysmal since January I yeah, think they've yeah. picked up six points since Christmas. Yeah, they haven't been very good at all. You've got Cardiff City, they're in really good form, playing really well, the home ground, full of confidence. It all points to a Cardiff win, doesn't it? Then you've got to take into the sort of the variables. Cardiff, mm. a Cardiff. 
We are Cardiff. We're up against our nearest rival, Swansea, and there's a point in it. It all just, it's too perfect for a complete fuck-up, isn't it, as well? <laughs> well, I just, I just you, you talked about Hull, I've just, I've just opened their fixtures now. Their first half of the season, if you look at it, it's actually quite bright. There's, they were pushing, they were eighth, though. I think they were like they eighth, were eighth at one playoffs, point. Yeah. They beat Fulham 3-0, uh, beat Sheffield Wednesday, they um, got results against Birmingham, Queen's Park Rangers, um, beat Stoke, you know, draws against teams, they drew with us. Um, drew with Wigan, drew with even drew with Brentford, but then you look, and I think it's 11th of January until now. So that's that's let's do a quick count: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Around 22 games, and they've won once, drawn three, and then lost every other game. Of course, they lost eight nil to 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 Wigan a few weeks ago. So I see three points for them on the final day of the season. <laughs> Fucking screams it, doesn't it? In the most just, way possible. Yeah, I just like, and, and that's the thing, right? We've we've got questions about people, you know, saying a point for the playoffs, you know, and, and quite rightly so, right? We we've got ourselves into that position, and it's in our own hands. But part of me just can't entertain the fact because you know I'm an optimist by my nature, but at the same time, we're we're two days away from our defining game of the season, and if we lose, it, it could all go it, it could all go to shit. It's too. People going, oh, well, if Forest lose, we'll go above them. And I'm thinking, I don't give a fuck where we finish. Just, I've been too bit by this Preston. I just think back to that Preston game and the that last year game, yeah. And it just all comes screaming back in like real bad nightmares. And it's just too, just, I cannot look past this whole game. I think like the players, the one thing I have got is I trust the characters of this player, of these players a lot more I was gonna than say. that team. I think they're going to be a lot more focused and they won't take Hull as lightly as sort of the sort of Dave Jones team sort of would have. Because I, I think I remember listening to a podcast with um, John Parkin talking about the Preston game. Yeah. And he was chatting to Bothroyd before they had their infamous fall night. And, um, Which you can hear about on the Jay Bothroyd View from the Ninian podcast. <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, and, um, yeah, he was sort of chatting about Bothroyd. He goes at the Bothroyd going, oh, bloody hell, you, you boys are doing well. And Bothroyd's there, yeah, we've got to smash you lot today. Then we've got to beat. Ipswich and all of this, and then we should get top four. We could be pushing for second place. Yeah, we lost six nil, missed out in the playoffs to Preston by a fucking goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's too it's too much to entertain, isn't it? Um, you know, I, Hull, Hull have got their own problems, right? I think if you look at what's gone on with Hull this year, and I don't know, there was an article in the Athletic about it about how these players are leaving and they're not going to replace them about the the wage budget and things for next year, and I think. I think they've kind of gone quietly under the radar as a club really in crisis. But I think it's really sad what's happened to Hull. It's really sad. And, I, you know, they had their, their, when we were in the Premier League with them, I think there was a joint, we, we joined up with them for some kind of protest because they were obviously annoyed at a lamb because a lamb was going to change them to the Hull Tigers or whatever it was and yeah. change the badge and all that kind of stuff. But I thought they got their, got their act together with McCann. I thought McCann was going to be a good, a good choice and he showed it during the first half of the season that he obviously had something about him. But they've just fallen apart, haven't they? It's like with um, last year, they brought Nigel Atkins in. And yeah. he, did a fan- he did a fantastic job. They looked really, really good. And you thought, oh, they're sort of back on track here. They're sort of making the right moves. And then it's just all sort of fallen to shit. The second they lost Jared Bowen, it seems to be all the belief has gone out of that squad and out, out of that there. club. I wonder what's gone on behind the scenes, right? Because people like, so I, I like Jackson Irvine, who plays from the centre midfielder, and he's, he's left and he wasn't entertained a new contract. I wonder if something happened in January that set them on this path. Because if you look, it's literally from the 11th of January onwards, 
they haven't what well, they have they didn't win a game until the second of July, which would have been um, let me just have a look at the corresponding dates, March. So they would have gone two and a half months without a win, basically. And I wonder if something happened in January where they, they said players might not be coming in, we can't replace contracts, things like that, that caused a, a rift in the squad or something like that, because they've just fallen apart. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, I just I think it's just the owner sort of tore the heart and soul out of the club and the players have finally given up. Yeah. I mean, their defence is pretty woeful. They're, they're, they've conceded 84 goals this season. They, they scored a few. They scored 57, which is the best of the teams in the bottom three and the best of the teams in the, in the bottom six, actually. But they, they, they just seem to concede a lot. Um, so, I mean... 10% of them were in one game. Yeah, well, I, well yeah, they lost 8-0. And, and if you look at their results, they obviously lost 8-0 to Wigan. Um, they've lost 4-2 to West Brom. They lost 5-1 to Stoke. They lost 5-1 to Brentford. So they, they do lose games quite big. But, you know, would you take a scrappy 1-0 on Wednesday? Oh, God, yeah. I'd take <laughs> it uh, coming off the arse of their goalkeeper as an own goal. Yeah. I don't care how it comes. We just need to make sure we get into that playoff. We just need to make sure we secure that playoff spot. And yeah. I don't think, like, you listen to what Harris said sort of post-match, and I haven't actually read his. Um, I didn't realise the uh, Yeah, it was, it was today but, instead of tomorrow, I think. But I think that actually makes sense where I saw a comment from Nelson. Yeah. That we'll talk about that I really liked. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they're the players. And I don't think Harris got the mentality to say, right, this is a j- job's done. I think he's going to be on them to make sure we're professional. And yeah. one thing that's been a big bonus the last two games is we've started really well. Well, the, the, the Borough really game was... Well- I was going to say the Borough game was amazing because we scored what, within three minutes and then we scored in the second half within three minutes and it just kind of, it sucked the life out of the game both times because obviously the, the, within the first three minutes, Middlesbrough are on the back foot and they're at home and they're on the back foot and then within the first three minutes of the second half, they come out of the second half thinking, right, we can get back into this and then we just t- took it out of reach. Exactly, and if you could do that against Hull, a side that are near enough, almost guaranteed rally, I think they've got a 16-goal swing of they to survive. It's something ridiculous, yeah. They, it's and, it's um, out of their hands, basically, even if they win. Yeah, so you've got, to think, an early goal there for us, and it should be all right. 16-goal swing. I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, they're on minus 27 goal difference, and Charlton, in, who are just out of safety, three points ahead, are on a minus 11. So, yeah, 16-goal swing. Um, I, I don't think we'll concede 16, do you, Ben? Uh, would you put it past us? I, I genuinely, I, I wouldn't put it past this defence. I think the last couple of games, and Bakuna has seemed to solidify it even more. I thought Sanderson was doing a great job, but I think something, some, maybe his confidence got knocked with the, the penalty decision against Fulham. Yeah. Um, but I think Bakuna's gone in the back, and we look as solid with Bakuna there. And I think Nelson and Morrison, I, we, we've sung their praises, and, and Smithies as well. But as a back three, as a central back three, I don't think there's many better in this division at, at the moment in time. No. Um... I fully agree. Um, I think Morrison's within a shout of sort of getting the overall championship team of the year. I think he'd be very unlucky if he misses out. I can't think of many centre-backs that have been better than him. Um, yeah. I also think Joe Bennett's been massively improved since the, uh, especially the last two games. I think he's been brilliant. He's getting forward a lot more, isn't he? Yeah, he, seems to, he just seems to have a bit more confidence again. It sort of seems yeah. to have all sort of come back and he realised, oh, I am actually quite a good footballer. Um, but you're right with Bakuna as well. Bakuna right back normally terrifies me. It's just sort of always worried me. But the last two games, he's looked as calm as assured as anything. Sometimes, oh, I think he, go on. Sometimes he drifts in a bit too central. Yeah, sort of I think that flank exposed. But that's purely because he's a central midfielder playing a right back. I think but, he wanted to, you know, what he said in the in the pre matches before Warnock. There was, I think, there was something there that he was trying to prove a point to Warnock, and I think he he did that really, didn't he? Yeah, I thought he was just class. He was up for it. But I think he's been solid since. 
realistically, you take that Reading game aside, where everyone sort of, me included, everyone was bad. Every, yeah, but everyone sort of wrote him off as the problem with the squad, and he's a disaster of a player, and he, he's not good enough to play for the squad. But since then, how many players have been better than him long term? Not really. Morrison, mate. Morrison, Volks, Nelson, maybe as a three. Yeah. Rolls. But, Rolls like... maybe, but he's been injured for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bakuna has been a fantastic signing for us. I know some people always doubt him purely because of his card got marked by a lot of City players for that Reading game. But for me, I think he's been brilliant since that game. And sort of, yes, he's had the odd moment. You look at the Blackburn game with the ball he gave away for was it Armstrong to lob Smithies. Yeah, yeah. That he's always going to have that in him. That's just the way he is as a player. But massively important player and sort of really, really deserves more deserves a bit more praise than some of the fans. I think so as well. Um, and that's it. That's that's the season. Once Hull's done, um, that's the season, isn't it? No more games after Hull. At the moment, no. <laughs> At the moment, um, I you look. I think you know. I want to. I want to think that we'll get there. But I just like you, like we said. I just can't. I can't get that far ahead of myself. So. Look, I think we're, we've got Hull on Wednesday. You'll hear from us after Hull, um, no matter what. But who knows in what, you know, it, it could be a playoff preview. Um, let's it hope it a, is a playoff preview. It could just be a sobbing, going, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> oh, God, can you imagine? I, um, can, I can, that worries me. And I've been like, really, you know, we're going to do it. Like, I, I remember at the start, I said, I think realistically, we've got a shout of getting fifth. And going into yeah. the last game, we've got a shout of getting fifth. Yeah, well, I mean, what well, we we we're level on points with Forest, aren't we? Yeah, it would just we'd have to be a better the result or score two more goals than them, I think. Well, their um, their goal difference is eleven. We're, ours is seven. Okay, um, but their their form is they've the last five they've games been really drawn, rocky. lost, drawn, drawn, lost. So I mean, I think it's going to be either way. Like taking 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 a step back even further. The last day of the season in the Championship is pretty ridiculous, right? Brent West Brom and Brentford going for that second spot. Us and Swansea going for the sixth spot with Forest maybe even dropping out. The relegation battle being, you know, as it is, there's there's three points in it with with Barnsley somehow even clawing their way back into it with a, a again you know, a mad. Um, there's even there's you know in theory Birmingham could still go down and um, Wigan and 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 Wigan and haven't taken in the whole clusterfuck with Wigan and administration. Exactly. And, and I, you know, everyone goes on about the championship being the most exciting league in, in, in the world. And I think we're going into the last day of the season. I think there's one fixture out of the, the last game of the day of the season fixtures that doesn't have anything riding on it. And I think that's Bristol and Preston. And um, they're playing each other, but neither team can qualify for the playoffs at the moment. But there's, there's, that's one game out of a fixture list of how many teams are there? 11 24? games. So, 11 there's 11 games, games that can affect the end of the season, which is, you know, and I, I think it's, as, as much as we'd love to be in the, in the game, it's not bad to be able to sit at home and there's two games on Sky. You'll be able to watch the games on a, the stream and everything else. You'll be able to literally keep abreast of every game from home and watch the permutations unfold. And I think that's really exciting. It's brilliant. It's something you don't get. I don't think there's many leagues in the world that you get this level of excitement on the last day. Normally, it's all sort of wrapped up the last few games. Um, but in the championship, you, you wouldn't want it any other way, would you? And sort of that's why we're sort of not confident. You sort of, every other fan's going, oh, it's a dead cert. Cardiff are going to get it. You're playing against a team that are in absolute dire form. And then you think back, one, it's Cardiff City. And two, it's the championship. And literally anything can happen in this league. Anything can happen in this league. Uh, I mean, I, I, I could ask you for a prediction, but it doesn't sound like you want to give us one. No. No, no predictions. Not, you- not going to do anything like that. Not going to go on bet, Victor, and place any bets. You're just um, going to go in... Enjoy the last. Hope it works. All right, I think I'm going to do the same. I mean, I 
I just think it's going to be an exciting Wednesday, and I think uh, I would love to be able to come back here. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that this team are the team who aren't aren't going to let it go. But that's probably going to be famous last words. But I'm excited to see what happens after Wednesday and where we are and and what the future holds for for Cardiff City. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a emotional Wednesday evening, isn't it? It's going to be the most exciting Wednesday we've had for a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I wish it was a Friday or something like that so we could drown our sorrows or celebrate in the right way. But Wednesday will have to do. Uh, ben, where are, you, where are you going to be watching the game? Watching the game at home? Uh, watch it at home. Um, yeah, might have a mate around. We sort of formed on those social bubbles. One yeah, of those social bubbles I've heard all about. That everyone did for a week and then gave up on. So, <laughs> um, yeah, probably come over, watch that. Have a couple of streams going, sort of have the Cardiff game. iPads, laptops, a lot out. Yeah, as many screens as you can. Yeah, it'll be... Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I really, really am. Because sort of, I'm desperate for us to get the playoffs. But even then, I sort of think back to, you think back to November and sort of the way, you would not have expected this grandstand finish in this squad when the day Warnock left. Yeah. Sort of, it's, I remember chatting with Scott about it and sort of saying, look, we don't, how's the season going to go? This season's basically a write-off now. We'll build it for next year. And like, it's, it's one day we can get it? the playoffs. It's just... Crazy. I think at our lowest there, but obviously we lost the QPR on New Year's Day, didn't we? What was it? 6-1. Um, but since then, we've not really looked back. And I think that's the really interesting thing. Like the club, you know, could have capitulated after that QPR game. You know, we could have, like you say, written it off and said, let's start again. But we've only, we've lost four games since then out of, you know, in the second half of the season. And one of those is against Forest, one was against Stoke. And two of those have been since Project Restart, where, you know, you, you kind of accept that you're going to lose some of those wins in, in, when you're tired. But we've, you know, we've had, since then, we've had those, that 3 all with Leeds. We've beaten teams like Sheffield Wednesday, West Brom. We drew with Brentford. We've gone to Huddersfield and beaten them 3-0. And since the restart, we've never looked back. So, I mean, fair play to Harris. If, if, if at 90 minutes on Wednesday, we, we're still in that playoff place, he's done an amazing job, hasn't he? Yeah, and I'll hold my hands up. I think I was on speaking to BBC Wales about it just just before the derby saying look after the QPR game getting batted 5-1 if we lose the derby his position becomes untenable and he might not be at the club for long I'm moving wow. on so buzzed and I was wrong I'm so glad he's proved it right it's, and right now it, there's no one I want in charge more at the club it's nicely proved, proved wrong for once isn't it because I think a lot of times when it comes to football managers and football if, if you have a, a preconceived notion about someone and they don't do anything to, to kind of dispel that it, more often than not it, it goes on to be true right if you don't like a player when they sign and they don't tend to improve or, or they you know if a striker comes in and doesn't score enough goals and his card's marked and he's gone but Harris same for me you know I I remember going to watch games over Christmas I think it was the the Preston game and a Millwall game over Christmas and I was bored out of my mind I thought the football was turgid I thought it was it was really bad and we we didn't look like we were progressing but like you say since that QPR game he's he's turned it around and I think he's I couldn't imagine anyone better in charge of us at the moment and like you know I hold my hands up as well because I was very critical of him but he's 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 confounded everybody really he's been brilliant just top bloke really handled himself well understands the club understands the fans and look you gotta remember as well he's coming in for a club legend probably the most popular manager since Eddie May Mm -hmm. that is not an easy position to be in most managers when they come in at that are destined to fail it's always going to be a disaster and he's just, so far this year, it's just absolutely killed it. And just, he cannot be praised enough, not just from the City fans, but I also think the press and sort of Sky Sports and all the mainstream media, while they've, they've just not recognised us. And I think in a way that's worked in our favour, but sort of winds me up a little bit when you look and say, 
Parry should be getting a hell of a lot of praise for what he's done. Well, no, exactly. And I think, you know, when you look at teams like Fulham, uh, who have spent massive amounts of money not to get promotion, and Scott Parker is often lauded and, and praised and um, all that kind of stuff. And, and even Brentford, I know Brentford, you know, Brentford has, has the money ball model, but they spend a lot of money and they have a manager who's picked for that. I think Harris has come in with a squad that wasn't his and turned it around and got, you know, in, in the playoffs, we're going into the last game of the season. That's, that's no mean feat. And it's, it's something that should be getting more praise. You're right. Yeah, totally agree. You look at everything from his sign-ins through to the evolution of the play. Um, you sort of realise, looking back now, sort of seeing where we are to where we were in January, and you sort of see everything he's tried to do. It's all been sort of part of a master plan. It's something we've not really... To be honest, we've probably not recognised enough is that no. it's, all, it's all been a plan from the start of this is how the team's going to go. We wanted this sudden change. And the thing he said was evolution, not revolution. Mm. And he's absolutely nailed it. Just brilliant just can't fault him well i think we leave it there on that note because we've turned into a bit of a harris loving um and obviously we've got wednesday to come so i guess we'll speak end of the week then when who knows what the future might hold we will it could be fun it could be sad sobbing just who knows looking forward to it though really really i'm looking forward to it so uh, i'll speak i'll speak to you post hull see you later see you later dude may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty but they like to talk about Cardiff City it's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from